everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Breaking Down the Doors. Joe Rexford and Adam Sparks here at the Tennessee Studios. We're talking football and hoops today. Let's start with football, Adam, because football is over. And let's just go right into this question that I believe you want posed. Was this a successful season or not for Derek Mason's Commodores coming off 6-7 and seven finish, a loss to Baylor in the Texas Bowl that we both covered? Yay or nay? Well... I think it, it, it Vandy is looked at a bit differently from the fan base than other other teams. You know, it, it was Alabama a successful year or not? Well, did they win the national championship or not? That's the question. With Vandy, I think it's different. I, I think if you special, a little bit, it, a yeah, wee bit different. Yeah, than yeah, quite a bit, quite a bit. I, I I think it narrows down. A lot of Vandy fans I talked to about was this a good year or not? Sometimes it's did you beat UT or not? Did you go to a bowl or not? I think there's three categories that I could nar- narrow it down to whether it's a successful year or not. And it's some, a few Vandy fans say if you hit one out of three of these, it's good. Two out of three, it's good. Some want, some want three out of three. Seasonal success, that is bowl or winning record. Uh, rivalry success, did you beat Tennessee or not? And big win, signature win, did you beat a top 25? Something like that. Or Okay, so if you look at Derek Mason's five seasons – those were three categories. First two years, 0 for 3, 0 for 3. 2016, their bowl year, uh, at least 2 for 3. They beat Tennessee that year. They beat Georgia, which is upset Georgia that year. They went to a bowl, but they lost it. So it's Yeah, so that's the thing. So that category, the way you look at it, it can be a one-and-one one within the category, which yeah, is two, exactly. two of his last three years. Yeah, and so and then uh, 2017, they were two out of three. They beat Tennessee. They upset Kansas State. They had a losing record. This year is similar to 2016. This year is either a one out of three or three out of three. They beat Tennessee. They beat no one that had a winning record outside of Middle Tennessee, Nevada. So they didn't get a signature win of anybody. They didn't beat a really, really good team. And then the success of the season, six and seven, that's a losing record, but you went to a bowl. So I I think that's put so much on that bowl game that I think people are divided of this successful season or not based on that one game, that one game, the bowl game. That's the thing. People can say bowl games don't mean anything, Adam, but it's the last yeah, glimpse you have of a team, and people remember bowl games. People will remember ah that Baylor game back in 2018. I mean, people remember bowl games, and and I got a whole lot of reaction from Vandy fans that they thought a lot of that game encapsulated what their frustration was, and that was um, especially Keyshawn Vaughn. Well, look, Keyshawn Vaughn had like 9,000 yards on two carries or whatever. Why didn't you get three <laughs> carries? You know, uh, he, he should have got more carries. That was the the idea. Now I will say. I think you even made this point on Twitter during the game. Well, he can't get more carries if he's breaking them for 60 yeah, like yards. If you score on your one carry you get, you're not getting five carries in that drive. But right. Yeah, like you could look at the final numbers and say, what did he end up with, 12? Uh, two? Oh, 13 carries 13 for 230-something, yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, look, I can, see, I can buy like, well, gosh, how did that guy not get 20? But, again, you had several possessions, also a TD to blasting game, Several possessions that were instant, and so you have to take that into account. Well, and, and some of the frustration of that game bled into the um, the NFL decisions, at least so far, as we do this podcast right now. Jawan Williams has already decided uh, that he's going to the NFL a year early. Keyshawn Vaughn, Jared Pinkney still waiting on their word, could come any day. Okay, Jared Pinkney's considering it, and he had his worst game of the season. 
and people took that out on him a little bit on Twitter and elsewhere. Juwan Williams set out most of the first quarter with an injury, and then you've got some knuckleheads that are you know, thinking that he just said, hey, I'm not going to play or I'm going to sit out because I'm going to the NFL. By the way, if, if Which you... Which is okay, but yeah. I mean, if you want to get me fired up about one thing, it's hard to get me fired up about anything. It's that. It's the... I got some emails, tweets, and all that after Juwan Williams' decision saying, you know, disloyal, why not come back for your senior season? These kids, you know, don't understand how good they have it, that sort of thing. Ugh. Which I think we're in full agreement that... Puke. That's complete ignorance. Uh, I, I don't understand. No, there was someone on Twitter who was like, well, if all you care about is money. Like, no, okay, you don't have to only care about money to see an opportunity to make you know generational money playing a game and if you have enough i mean you go to college to get prepared for a job to right. make money to pay your bills and you have a chance to make seven figures and who's gonna what computer science made you say i think i like the college life better well i had one, i care about other things Just shut up with i had that. one vandy fan that emailed me and he said you know these some of these vandy kids are gonna wish they could go back when they were big men on campus yeah and that's the way he put it you know, number one, if you think that Vanderbilt athletes are big men on campus, so to speak, you haven't been on campus. That, that, they're not known. It's a little um, different than other yeah, places. It's, it's not George, Alabama, Clemson. Uh, so they're not they're not idolized like they are at a lot of the schools. Secondly, we're talking about the NFL. I, you know, I think people will know their names and they'll be treated well. And it's the, the you're, you'll be a big man at, at an, on an NFL team. And if you care about finishing your degree you can finish your degree and if you do look i mean some some there are kids who make poor decisions no question about it like it there are kids that will jump and they're not ready for it and they're not as good as they think and then they get they fall through the cracks you know which is very unfortunate but if you care about your degree you can come back at any point and if you are correct in your assessment that you are going to be paid and have a good career playing sports then you can easily pay for the rest of that degree. And I think we're both saying this in a general sense, not specifically, because like Jawan Williams, I mean, he may be the right decision. I don't know. He was rated as a top two round guy by the NFL, NFL advisory committee. So if that's where he's going to be picked, you got to go. Now, let's say uh, he's going in the fourth round and he thinks if I come back, I'm a first or second rounder, then maybe you stay. But again, that's a judgment call. That's not a, you can't go be, I, I think you, I think kids, NBA, NFL, elsewhere, you really just have to take the information and take a good guesstimate of this is where I'll go now and the risk of next year where I could go next year. And if you're not going to gain that much in the following year, then you you leave early. Well, and that's why, I mean, you and I have been talking about this all year. I mean, I look at Keyshawn Vaughn, and I mean, you could say he could come back and have monster numbers and be an All-American and get more attention. But the bottom line is the people who pay these players to they they know all these prospects. They know what they are. I don't know that Keisha Vaughn comes back and quote unquote gets way better. I think he is what he is, which is a really good, talented player who I think is going to be in the NFL. So, I, you know, like with him, I just don't buy the whole idea of like significantly raising your stock in a year. And I just feel like at that position in particular, that is the shortest shelf life in the NFL running back. And tread on the tires can be looked at as a negative as much as having bigger numbers. And, of course, in this game, in any position, injury. Man, you have to always take that into account. Well, and this this kind of circles back around to the original point. Was this season successful or not? I think if 
if there were a lot of guys we didn't know were going to go on to the next level, I think we would say this is a little more successful season than what it is. And what it is is uh, Juwan Williams is going to be a high pick. Jared Pinckney, if he goes, will be a high pick, or he'll be a high pick next year. Kyle Shermer will be probably a mid-round pick. He'll have an NFL career. Keyshawn Vaughn can go now or go next year. Ladarius Wiley will be on an NFL team, either drafted late or free agent. Charles Wright, if he's healthy, could end yeah, up somewhere. Some guys. Justin School, the tackle. I mean, we could go on and on, and I'm forgetting a couple already right now. Kalijah Lipscomb will go in the draft next year. He decided to come back. It's a lot of NFL guys, more than Vandy has had in a long, long time in one or two classes, and they only won six games. Yeah, well, and I think if there's a frustration point, I mean, look, just the, the way they play defense against Baylor. Baylor's a good team, and it's a Big 12, and they can all score, and they've got good players. They didn't have Jalen Hurd out there. Uh, I like. I thought you know they, they played well. They have a good quarterback. They have other good receivers, but... Some of the tackling and defensive execution in that game was just awful, just awful. And if you just play average in some spots defensively in that game, I think you do enough to win with your offense. But just it was a real – and that's just – obviously Derek Mason switched from defensive play caller this year. And I I think there are certainly some personnel limitations that I don't know that if they can make them up or not. I think they're just not stout enough at the point of attack. It's hard to find those guys in the SEC, especially week in, week out, who can who can stand in there and give you a chance to stop teams from running the ball. But some of the tackling in the back seven just really bad. It's a bowl, though. It's a bowl. It's I a mean, bowl. It's, it's what happens in bowls. Yeah, I, you're right. But I thought there were a few instances in this game where it was just like, oh, I mean, just play some kind of defense here. So I think what we're both saying is this was a successful season out of context of, of what the season was. Uh, if you put it in context about what the season, how the season came off, it necessarily was not a successful. It was a mid-range season. I mean, again, the wins came against MTSU, Nevada, TSU, Arkansas, Ole Miss, UT. That's two mid-majors and four losing teams. But uh, at least, you know, you get those two wins. Again, and Ole Miss was still a talented team that you beat. And then, of course, pounding Tennessee like that. I mean, that doesn't that automatically sort of just brighten whatever you think of a sure. season when you win a third straight and just handle that team like that? Even though it's not a good team. Still a team that won at Auburn, team that pounded Kentucky, for example. In the range of pretty good, good, great, it's a pretty good season. It's not a good season. I, I, good season yeah. would be if you had beaten Missouri or won the won the bowl game, get to seven and six. But pretty good. It's pretty good. That's that's where I'll put it. And and I would add too. I mean, this is what I wrote about off the Texas Bowl. But this was an extraordinary season of adverse circumstances sure. for this team. I mean. You know, again, the Turner Cockrell, it's tragic that a young person would lose their life to cancer. And this was also, and talking to guys after the game, I, I wondered about this because we kind of all sort of had that, well, he's getting treatment, you know, they you know, they looked at him, he's, he's going to Houston, he's doing all this stuff. And you, the sense I got was, you know, there's there's real hope here that he can beat this. And I think there was the same feeling within that locker room. And then it's sudden almost yeah even for people who are close to them it's like he went home and kind of keeping in touch with his mom but it it went it went south fast which of course can happen with cancer but you know that's that shouldn't be just glossed over I mean that is a big thing and there were other things that happened to this team 
And so I do think that you you put that into the equation, and I think if you're assessing Derek Mason, I think that's part of, you know, if you give him high marks, I think that's one of the things you give him high marks for is the way he handled that and the way they handled that. Well, and the impact on the team is probably greater than what uh, we would see on the field because Turner Cockrell had not played. He, he, had, had, yes. the, he had had the issue. He had had, the, had cancer, so he had, not, he had missed practice for the past year. He'd redshirted a couple of years ago. So the impact on the team was that they lost a teammate, whether he was a starter or wasn't playing. The impact that maybe we see from afar – is, well, he wasn't playing, so it doesn't impact quite as much. And so I think that's something we have to remember. All right, let's talk some basketball. Let, let's start, you know, Adam, I, I want to get into Bryce Drew's team and, you know, a, a really, I think, discouraging loss to Ole Miss that maybe – Shouldn't be as discouraging as it is to some people, but still discouraging. But I want to start with Stephanie White's team. Actually hung in really well at home against Georgia, had a chance, didn't make the plays down the stretch. But do you look at that as any kind of inkling that maybe things can be better here for this team? Well, they have a blessing and a curse in the post right now. They have two bigs. They have a pretty good big off the bench, too, but they have two bigs right now, Mariella Fasula, Faz, they call her, and Autumn Newby, who can compete with any two bigs in the conference. That's the blessing that they have a strength. I felt like times last year they didn't really have something they were good at. On the flip side of that, the curse is that's all they have right now that can beat an SEC team. And so, you know, I talked to Stephanie after the game about it. I said, you know, it. You're really, you're really good in the post, but opponents know that too. And SEC teams are equipped to stop one thing if you're good at one thing. And, you know, a lot of defenses are starting to crash in on uh, on Newby and Fasula, and they'll continue to do that. Now, they played some really good two-man game, high-low stuff. Fasula's a really good passer. Newby has developed kind of a 15, 17-foot jumper. So they have that there, you know – I my question is, are they ever going to get healthy enough and have enough time healthy to get better? Chelsea Hall was back for a few games. Chelsea Hall was the all-freshman SEC player last year. She got back for a few games, then she got re-injured. Which is just, a, to me, I mean, I thought this was going to be her year. I think she's a special talent. I don't know that she's going to be 100% the rest of the year. I, I would doubt it. Uh, and therefore, I don't think this team is going to be 100% the rest of the year. And I think you've got... You've got players like Sierra Walker who should be camped out on the wing, knocking down three-pointers. And she goes one for five in this game, two for ten overall. Because she's having to play uh, what Chelsea Hall was doing, which was, hey, take the ball at the top of the point and create. Well, she's not a creator. That's not what she's there for. And she kind of did some of that as a freshman, as Stephanie was experimenting. But, yeah, ultimately she is – you want her catching and shooting. So you've got ideally. people playing out of – in different roles that they're not equipped to do, and then you've got your best players in the paint uh, being kind of overwhelmed by defenses. So And still those two, 16 for 24, 39 points against Georgia. Yeah. So even with extra attention – I mean, I think Newby, just a huge ceiling there. And, and yes. Fasul is a good player, but Newby, to me, is someone who could be 
special as a, just an all around, very athletic, but skilled as well. You'd player. love, you love to see people that Vandy fans that look at this and say, this is just a train wreck. It's never going to get better. And I don't know that it is uh, again, because they've got, they've got a number of issues and they've got injuries and I don't know if that's going to get better in the next month or two, but I would love to see them for about a five game stretch or after a five game stretch of Chelsea Hall, hundred percent healthy. Sierra Walker then playing on the wing like she needs to, those bigs that are developing a chemistry together, and 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 see that Brene Alexander, really a five-star freshman from Murfreesboro, has been injured. She's going to be out for at least another three or four weeks. Jordan Cambridge from Innsworth, a five-star point guard, is still coming off a knee injury. She's only playing at probably 60%, 70%. They're not going to have their full allotment this year, and that will be a reason why they struggle. It could also be an excuse, depending on how you look at it. Why do you think Chelsea Hall you, – you, did you say earlier you do not think that she'll be 100% the rest uh, of the Well, season? I asked Stephanie – well, I asked Stephanie after the, uh, after the Georgia game, and she said uh, – I said, you know, is she coming back soon? Is she day-to-day? And she said, I don't know. And I take that as it's maybe a longer absence or a slower recovery because this is a re-aggravation of an injury. Now, I honestly don't know for sure what the injury is. But Can you had, give us like the NHL lower body, I, upper body? I, I think, I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's lower body. Yeah, uh, okay. there you but, go. Hey, that's all we get in the NHL. Uh, but, you know, she was uh, she was out. Then she was back for like four or five games. And then she re-aggravated the injury, and she's out again. And usually if you see an injury re-aggravated, you're going to be even far more cautious the second time around, which tells me she's not going to be at full strength till February, late February, March, something like that. And you're not going to get Alexander back till maybe February – so they're, they're just not going to be what they need to be personnel-wise. But now I will say, because I, I can hear Vandy fans screaming into their, into their uh, earbuds right now, the reason that they're in somewhat of this situation where the roster's trimmed, they have less options, is because they lost four players last year. They had, four, they had three players transfer and one quit the team and just stay on campus. And now, again, you can look at that and, and you can still say, well, why is that happening? I mean, that's right. fair. Right, I mean, it, but they are strapped. The chem- chemistry was odd last year. Some players decided to leave for whatever the reason they wanted to leave, and there were there were good players out of that bunch. Yeah, players well, that Kayla were, Overbeck was a you know yeah. Aaron Whalen, I think, really fit this what they want to do, and that was never quite utilized yeah. last season. No, I, I agree. I really liked, and I still do like Aaron Whalen's upside as a player, and it's it's too bad that they've lost some of these players. Yeah, I mean, there's look. From the Vandy fan, and again, maybe not the Vandy fan who's really into this particular team, but a lot of the Vandy fan right now is like, "Oh, that's just this is a disaster. It's over." It's and look, this team's five and ten. It's not going to be a good bottom line at the end of the year, and I think it's fair to have scrutiny on all that. But I think I just pump the brakes on. There's just no way this could work with Stephanie White and and you know fire her right now. Stuff just pump the brakes. It's year three, a lot of adversity. He's brought in some good players here too. Best case scenario, best case scenario for this season is they need to have a good February, because if Alexander is back by February and Chelsea Hall is eighty percent, let's say in February, you need to have a stretch in there. And I'm going to look at their schedule, but where you win back to back games, where you win three out of five, something like that, they need to have a good February and say, "Hey, look, this is what we can be next season." If we if we have all the pieces together and the pieces again, I don't think we'll be all together this year, but they could be close. So let's talk about what Bryce Drew's team 
the men's basketball team can be this season. I still believe, absolutely believe, an NCAA tournament team, even uh, considering the 81-71 loss to Ole Miss and the SEC opener at home, really brutal finish. I went through, you know, I went and watched it again and watched all in the last 19 possessions. After Kermit Davis switched to a 2-3, it was atrocious. Two for 15, shooting three turnovers, you know, 13 empty trips out of 19. And even some bad free throw shooting, but that that's that that was not the story of this game to me. The story of this game was the execution, the the shot decisions, and then you know missing some okay shots too. But Adam, I still think this team has a lot of upside, but there's there's a, just a condensed amount of time for Bryce Drew to to get it out of them. Well, the exaggeration that's going to go with with Vandy fans one way or another, I'll, I'll just say just simmer down now because we're doing a lot of simmer down fans yeah, on right, this podcast. Right. It's a the, simmer down podcast. It's 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 the fans like to have a lot of hyperbole in their reaction, and this is going to be about a 500 team in the SEC, which will make them a bubble team. I think this is this is a team that could get a good enough seed to stay out of Dayton. This could be a team that ends up in Dayton. This could be a team that gets left out. I got uh, people emailing, this team is not even going to sniff the NIT. I know. Right. Sheesh. Calm down. This is a, this is a you know, back to what I said about football, this could be a pretty good or a good team. It's not going to be a bad team. It's not going to be a great team. Would have been a great team with Darius Garland. That's, that's, could have been. Let's, let's put that Still aside. Still could be a really, really interesting, yes. dangerous team if some things get figured we out. We say that about the, I said that about the women in February. Vandy men a month from now could look like quite a different team. I still think over the balance of the schedule, this is a team that's going to be somewhere around 500. They're going to drop a home game, but they're going to steal one back on the road somewhere and, and vice versa. And Yeah, and they've got to, you know, can they spring? Look, I think at home, on the right night, shooting the ball, they could... Could they spring a surprise on Tennessee? Tennessee looks awfully awesome right now, but I don't rule that out. Could they spring a surprise on a Kentucky? You know, if you could, you get a, a real premium win at home, and then you got to go to like a Georgia and win. You got to you got to go and get a couple road wins at some some of these similar profile teams. I think the question too is is Simi Chateau going to be a difference making? He won that game type of player in some of these because. You know, you and I were talking about in press row the other night. He will quietly get 16 points and nine rebounds. And you say, hey, he had a pretty good game. You look at the box score, hey, he had, he had a better game than I thought. And he's trying really hard. He has really good vision, and the coaches are pushing him that the offense needs to run through you. You can do so much, so many things with creating and passing, and they've used him in the high post some. And I think he's trying to figure out how to balance that with – well, just go to the rim and score 25 tonight, which he can do. He can, but I wish he would post up some. Yeah. and uh, he, I mean, He's a face-up player, and, and he, I don't want to take away anything he does well. In that zone, I thought early in the second half, he was making some passes out of there that were just tremendous. I like him on the break, too. Oh, I sure. Mean, I mean, I like, I mean I've like. mean, i liked him on the break anyway, but I, he's a guy that needs to just stay with it. I think I think after some, you know, some things in early games, he got some charges called on him. I think he started to shy away from it a little bit. I think he also went up for a dunk against Ole Miss and nearly had a season ended for him. Yeah. So. Yeah, and that that doesn't need to happen anymore. But you know, you've got some pieces there that are going to, you know, the stock up or stock down. The stock is going to go up with some of these guys. Yanni Wetzel, it's going up and I think it's going to continue. Yeah. Is the stock going to go down with some? You know, is Aaron Neesmith going to be a guy that's shooting it really well at the end of the year. Or is he going to hit a freshman wall? Yeah, they need, they need him. 
They need I mean, Joe Toy to hit shots too. He's been a really good story, but you know, late in that game, he missed shots, but he also took some shots that just weren't great shots. Yeah, I thought and and really all that we can say about individual players if they make you know a few more free throws, they're one and zero in the SEC. So, but you know, that's that's a new team, that's a young team, that's that's what you're going to get. And uh, Ole Miss played well, they, and as you said, they made better adjustments than Vandy did. Hey, Kermit Davis is a is a heck of a coach, and he has got three really good guards who can score it, and he's got a seven footer who at least gives you some kind of rim protection. That's a good team. I think that's an NCAA tournament team that makes it the surprise of the SEC, one of the surprises of the country. And yes, Kermit Davis, he dictated that game with his adjustments. And then Vandy had to kind of catch up to them. And they did eventually figure out that 1-3-1 and got him out of that. But when he went to the 2-3, again, like, I just didn't see a lot of – a lot of it It was like make one more pass and then you've got a great shot. And some of that is just like these guys getting comfortable with each other and just having more poise late in games. But they did not get a lot of great looks against the 2-3 in the last 10 minutes of the game, and they had some bad turnovers against it and things like that. So, yeah, Kermit Davis gets credit – but Vanderbilt, yeah, you've got to you've got to execute better. And then Saban Lee, he's in this totally different role, and he can get by anybody he wants to at any time. He also, though, you know, you you don't feel great about him as a shooter, even though he worked so hard on it. I mean, with with Chateau and Lee, that's what's interesting. Those are their most talented two two players, but they you know they they are not shooters. No, and that sort of it's a very interesting mix. Matt Ryan is a guy you need to get shots, but at times you're like, boy, they'd be better off with like a Moyer in there on the other end or whatever. Well, or a Neesmith and go small. I mean, there's a lot of different combinations and possibilities, but Bryce Drew, it's also not easy. It can't be. Well, and that's why that that's why the combinations matter so much, and that's why to have a Neesmith shooting the ball. What Neesmith is a phenomenal three point shooter. If you have him and Ryan both, you have far more options because you've got Lee going into, into the paint. You have uh, Simi in the paint. You need another shooter. That's going to be Neesmith probably. Now I'll throw this one at you. I've seen it in practice. I've seen a little bit in warm-ups and some in games. Yanni Wetzel yeah. is a very good three-point shooter when he wants to be. and He's not Luke Cornett from a couple years ago, but within a game he can be that guy. And if you can have a guy like that 6'10 stepping out, it makes a far big difference with, with Saban and Simi. No question. And I think Yanni Wetzel, like you said earlier, I mean, I mean he's stock up. He's athletic. He's starting to figure it out. And, you know, he had a tough turnover in that same stretch where he, you know, put it on the floor and they, you know, he got the ball swiped from him. And that was a big moment. But, man, I, I and, and, you know, he, he had a couple really tough shots he took in that stretch too, like kind of a running hook that didn't have much chance. So there are times he looks like a young player, but boy, he gives them a presence, an athletic presence, and, and he is skilled. I mean, this team could be. Pretty darn good if they can get the pieces working together properly. But my overall in this, my overall message to Vandy basketball fans is just chill out until they're zero and three in conference. Once they're zero and three, you can freak out. Then a it's freak bit. out time. So next, it's the Simmer Down podcast. Next one will be the freak out podcast, perhaps. Or unless they win at Rupp, then it's and the, then it's whoo, like oh final my gosh, four. yeah, exactly, yeah. Vols and Vandy both in the final four in Minneapolis. Yeah. All right, well that's our podcast for the week. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back soon on Breaking Down the Doors. At Jewelers Mutual, we're a little obsessed with jewelry. Obsessed like auctioneers with talking fast. 50, we're going to hit Pop stars with auto-tune. 
and dentists with asking questions so, how did he propose? after they've put their mm, hands oh, in your mouth. What? Great. Yes, we've made jewelry our obsession for over 100 years. We love it so much we named our kids Ruby, Amber, and Opal. Venti soy latte for Opal? At Jewelers Mutual, we insure jewelry and only jewelry, which is why people who are also obsessed with jewelry trust us with theirs. 